you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. In this podcast, we're going to talk about what some pastors are saying about the recent Supreme Court leak about Roe v. Wade, Pastor Johnny Enlow's deep, disturbing love for Kofifi, a Q interpreter claiming he can multiply food like Jesus did. We also take voicemails. If you want to leave a voicemail, the number is 1-800-701-8573. If you want to send an email instead, the email address is telltalemailbag at gmail.com. Oh, by the by, just wanted to let you guys know, I have been doing... five stories per night on the podcast up until now. I'm actually going to switch it to four, and I'm going to be doing a live stream on my main channel on Tuesday evenings, 8.30 p.m., probably just for an hour, not long, just to kind of talk about another story, basically. That's my current tentative plan. So if you want, meet me over on my main channel on Tuesday, this Tuesday, 8.30 p.m., and, uh, you know, we'll talk about something interesting. I think this week I'm planning to talk about Ben Garrison. He's a, like a propagandist, an extremist, real crazy stuff, dude. Hey, this is Owen. If you're comfortable, leave your first name and state at the sound of the tiny truck backing up. Hey, Owen, this is Chandler from Texas. Um, it's been a while since I called the podcast, but um, there's been something on my mind lately that I've been thinking about. Okay, so I always hear, like, Protestants and all that say that, quote-unquote, Catholics are not true Christians or whatever. And I just want to know your opinion on that. Why is it that a lot of Protestants, like, think that, say, Catholics or Eastern Orthodox or whatever are not, quote-unquote, true Christians? Like, I swear these no-true-stops and fallacies are ridiculous. Because, I mean, seriously, it's like, if you believe that Jesus is the Messiah or whatever, then automatically, like, you're Christian. But anyways, uh... On the lecture, or want to ask you that? Uh, talk to you later, buddy. Peace out. Yeah, I appreciate the voicemail. Interesting question. I absolutely agree with you, a hundred percent. If you believe that Jesus existed and died for your sins, you're a Christian. Simple as that. Like that. That's really the only qualification. But people don't want to include others as members of their tribe if they have certain disagreements. You know. I guess I could say I get the desire to distance yourself from somebody like Roger Stone or Donald Trump, which are two people who I don't believe for a second are religious. I don't believe those two are religious at all. I'm also non-religious. So I get the desire to not want to be like part of the same group as those two people. But they just are. They're just non-religious. That's just what it is, in my opinion. Same with Catholics, same with Mormons, same with Jehovah's Witnesses, Evangelicals, all of them. They're all part of the same group, which is Christian. Whether they like that or not, they're all Christians. And there's really no point in trying to get away from that. It's just traditional human tribalism, nothing more. Hi, Owen. My name's David from Indiana. Um... I know you've covered a lot of Robin Bold stuff, and my dad unfortunately listens to him, and he tries to tell me all the stuff that's going to happen. And I can't help but laugh at it because it's so sad to hear that not only my father, but a bunch of other people would believe this nonsense. Um, anyway, thank you for what you do, and um, hope you have a good day. Bye. 
Yeah, I appreciate that. I know. Uh, Robin Bullock, a lot of people kind of underestimate how influential the guy really is, but he truly is incredibly influential. I mean, I just talked about him with Roger Stone. Like, Robin Bullock went on this show with Roger Stone, close personal friend to Donald Trump, where Roger Stone was explaining to Robin Bullock and this other guy that a demonic portal just opened above the White House. And Robin Bullock was tasked with the responsibility of coming up with a prayer that people can say to help close this demonic portal. He is incredibly influential, runs a, a megachurch, a televangelist for all intents and purposes, and people absolutely do listen to him. We have to talk about this guy. We have to. Good luck dealing with that situation. I know it can't be fun. Just do your best and don't worry about the rest, as I always say. Hey, Owen. This is Barry from Pennsylvania. I wanted to know, what do you think the prayer line is that appears on the bottom of every televangelist uh, program? I just think it's one big scam just to take money from old people, but I'm interested in what you have to say. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, come to think of it, I've never actually called one of those prayer lines before, but I have to imagine what happens is you call in and they ask you to tell them what you're praying for, and they say, okay, give us a $20 donation and we will pray for it. That's my guess. Here's a good example of it if you're looking at the screen right now. If you're listening to the audio version, this is Kenneth Copeland touching the screen of the TV to cure everybody of COVID. Anyway, there's a prayer line at the bottom, 877-281-6297. I have no idea what happens when you call that number. I'm guessing they just charge you like 20 bucks and you, you give them what you're praying for. But hey, why would you even bother calling into this line when we have Kenny C over here curing you of illnesses, right? Put your hand on that television set. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He received your healing. Yes. Now. Say it, I take it. Dude, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. But when this guy smiles, you can hear something cracking. Listen closely. Turn up your volume for a second. Did you hear? He smiled just now, and, and there was a cracking noise. Listen again. Okay, now if that doesn't convince you, let me show you another. This is him apologizing for laughing like a maniac when, you know, Biden won the election. I don't know if you remember this, but Kenneth Copeland basically, just listen to this clip real quick. It'll explain it. The media said what? <laughs> The media said Joe Biden's president. <laughs> okay, so this clip is 41 seconds long. This guy literally lasts for 41 seconds straight. <laughs> that is disconcerting. So anyways, he apologized for that. He gets on his little thing here on his phone or something and he he says he's sorry for laughing like that for those that might have the idea that i hate joe biden i do not no i don't i love him i pray like i said i, pr I prayed it today for those two and I, I want you to know that should there be should it be necessary 
I apologize if that came across that way. Okay, so th this is what I was talking about. We came full circle now. Listen, turn your volume up for a second and listen to what happens when he smiles. Why is there a cracking noise when he smiles? Why? Why? Why does this happen? What physiological function is taking place that makes his body crack when he smiles every time? This is not just one example anymore. This is multiple examples, multiple different days, different situations. He cracks when he smiles. Somebody explain this to me, please. Anyway, I got off on a tangent about him smiling and, and cracking while he smiles. I, I'm, I'm sorry, but I hope I addressed the question of him praying uh, in the prayer line. I have a theory for the noise when he smiles. My guess is it's just the amount of saliva to have an air bubble at the sides of his lips and they pop because of the rushing of air make the pop sound echoed in his mouth. I managed to do that while mildly dehydrated tonight. Fair enough. Fair enough. That could be. That's a possibility. It's just weird that it happens consistently. It's happened a couple times at the very least. I, I don't know of many other cases of him smiling in a quiet enough environment that I can actually hear it. I think those are basically the only two examples of him being in a quiet enough environment and smiling where I can tell. It's just kind of strange, dude. It's kind of strange. And I'm honestly convinced that he's a demon wearing a human skin suit. So I just, I'm taking the cracking smile as evidence of that theory. About the cracking thing is probably saliva in his mouth. Yeah, probably. Or he could be a demon in, in human skin. I'm, I don't know. I mean, either one. <laughs> this email is from Is John. Hello, Owen. I hope you and your family are well. My question is, do you think some of these unhinged pastors have something like schizophrenia? I've heard that some schizophrenics claim to hear the voice of God. I don't mean to bash anyone with schizophrenia. It's just a thought I had and wonder what your take is on this. Thanks. Have a good one and keep up the good work. It's an interesting point. I have a brother with schizophrenia. I think they look very similar from the outside, but they're definitely different from each other. This is something that could be helped without medicine, I think. But schizophrenia, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, any psychologists in the comments, I think you need medicine to treat schizophrenia, right? And it's something that can only be treated and not actually cured. I think if you sat down with these people and talked them through it, you could probably work the beliefs out of them. I, I've seen it happen. It happened to me, honestly. Coming out of Jehovah's Witnesses, I had some weird, bizarre beliefs, too, similar to this. And eventually, I finally found my way out of it. So I would say it mirrors it. It looks very similar in a lot of ways. But it doesn't come with the physiological differences that sometime appear with schizophrenia or the, the differences in brain state that come with it. This one is from Francis. Subject is just, hi. Plain, simple, to the point. I appreciate that. Hey, Owen, happy May. I dig your content, and I trust you. Could you please share with me a few websites that you absolutely trust for news? I hope it's okay to ask you this. Otherwise, sorry to have bothered. Have a good one. Francine, a loyal listener. Normally, I would say it's probably not a good idea to get recommended news sources from, like, social media influencers, but... 
for me, I would say it is a good idea. And the, the reason for that, I can't really tell you why it's better to come to me for news sources than anyone else, but the news sources that I absolutely trust are Reuters and AP News. Anything from Reuters or AP is trustworthy, I've come to find. Those are the ones that I trust absolutely. The ones that I trust mostly would be BBC America, or just BBC, and independent.co.uk. Those have been pretty trustworthy in my experience, too. Next email is from Alex. Should the government give contracts to overtly Christian companies? Hi, my name's Alex from Georgia, and I had a question I thought would be interesting. I work at a firearm manufacturer, and our biggest customers are the military, police, and a whole slew of government agencies. Although the company itself is an LLC, I find this may be problematic because of the company's overtly Christian ideals. For example, before each company luncheon or event, the supervisors say grace, etc. Do you think that the government agencies providing contracts to companies such as these are working against the separation of church and state, or is it not problematic? I thought your take would be interesting. Anyways, love the show and everything you do. I appreciate the email. If you're acting as an agent of the government, which does include contract work, then yeah, I would say that's a problem and you should be barred from doing certain religious things while on the job specifically. My brother worked for a high-profile tech company for a while, but he was a contract worker. He was not a full-time employee. So they basically sent him a 1099 form, uh, to like a tax form every year, but he came into work eight hours a day, five days a week, doing the jobs that he was hired to do until finally they hired him on full time, like officially as a W 2 employee. While he was in their office doing work for them, though he was a private contractor, he was acting as an agent of the tech company. If you are simply working out of your own office, manufacturing your own parts and your own whatevers, and then shipping them to these government offices, you aren't really acting as an agent of the government. You are just working with the government to accomplish the task, so I would say it's different. If you're getting paid from a different company, then I would say it's fine. It's not problematic. If you're getting paid directly from the government, or if you are in government offices working for and with them directly, I would say it's a problem. That would be my take. It's a very technical problem, and I think it's a problem that's already been kind of hashed out and explained and figured out in the courts. It, like, they've already worked out exactly how this should go. And I'm reasonably happy with a lot of the decisions that the courts have made on these subjects. I just hope the Supreme Court doesn't, like, reverse any of it in the coming months or years so hope hope for the best and good luck dealing with a an overtly christian company i i can't imagine that's fun for somebody like us who doesn't really buy into any of it or i'm assuming you don't next we're going to talk about what some pastors are saying about the recent supreme court leak regarding roe v wade give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com.
Jack Hibbs is a televangelist I don't talk about very often, but I have covered him a couple times before. I don't think I've covered this specific clip of his, but I wanted to reintroduce you to him because he's relevant to the story that we're going to be talking about. So let me just give you a little bit of an introduction to the guy, kind of give you a, a reminder of who he is and what he believes and things like that, and then we'll get into the main story here. This is Jack Hibbs. As I said, he's a televangelist. This clip came out mid-July 2021. Let's just watch and see what he's all about. When two people of the same sex get together, it's out of sheer wanton lust and pleasure only for self. I have no idea how he came to that conclusion, but that is simply incorrect. I honestly have no idea where he's coming from with this. Nothing comes of it. Okay, is he saying they can't have kids? Uh, that's not technically true. First of all, they can adopt. Second, they can do surrogate parenting, and science is getting us places right now. There may come a time when two men can produce a child. Like, we can modify the sperm cell to be an egg or something like that. Like, I don't know. Science is taking us interesting places right now. The point here is that this argument that you're providing to us right now hinges on the idea that we will never make scientific progress in this field. The moment that we do, your argument's going to be completely and totally worthless. So I would reconsider this argument you're laying down. Of course, the guy is laying this argument down for his audience, for his church members, not for us. So it really doesn't matter. His church members will nod their head when he says things like this anyways, even if it is fallacious, even if it doesn't make any sense, even if it doesn't add up, it doesn't matter. They will listen and smile and nod their head anyways. Keep listening. No life can come from it. No family can come from it. And let me insert this. If you're an evolutionist, you have to be against same-sex union. I'm not sure what he means by evolutionist. I assume he means people who accept the science on the theory of evolution. Why would I have to be against anybody at all if I accept science on a certain subject? Here's the reason why he's coming at it from this angle in the first place. He's viewing it as an ideology. He views it as an ideology, just like Christianity. He thinks that's how things that he disagrees with work. He views them as religions. It's not. It's simply not. If you're an evolutionist, what, and by the way, where have been the evolutionists on this topic? There are no evolutionists. There is no such thing. It's a fabricated word. There are people who accept the science on the theory of evolution, and there are people like you. There are no evolutionists who have an overarching ideology, who believe certain things and build their whole moral system around it. It's not a moral system. It's simply a scientific fact. Because, listen, if you're an evolutionist, what's one of the statements? It's the survival of the fittest. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of a clumsy saying that is not well understood and is misused a lot. It's not really survival of the fittest. It's survival of those who survive the best, I guess, more than anything. You don't have to be the fittest. You don't have to be the strongest or the fastest. You just have to have some kind of an adaptation that makes you survive longer and better, and that's it. And over the span of 100,000 years or a million years or 5 million years, populations who have that gene survive the best and reproduce the most, 
and populations who don't have that gene don't survive as well. It's bred into the population. That's how this works. And interestingly enough, just about every creationist out there, which it seems clear to me now that this guy is obviously a creationist, a young earth creationist, pretty much every young earth creationist out there will accept quote unquote microevolution. There really is no such thing. There's just evolution. And when you accept microevolution, as they call it, you've just accepted evolution. That's all you need to get to where I am. That, you just need microevolution, and you need the Earth to be as old as it is, which is four and a half billion years old or so. That's all you need, and suddenly you accept the science behind evolution just like me. Really, the only difference is the age of the Earth. That's really their hang-up with evolution. Right, and in evolutionary theory, the survival of the fittest has to procreate. Okay, so what, what I get the impression what he's saying here is, hang on, let me listen one more time. And in evolutionary theory, the survival of the fittest has to procreate. Selection is an aspect to it, yes. You can still reproduce if you're gay. I don't know if you realize this or not, Jack, but, you know, people still have the necessary parts. I mean, it, they're, they're still capable of reproduction. I, does he think that, like, things just fall off? When you come out as gay, like, what, what is he even thinking? But if evolution's true, then there would be no such thing as homosexuality. That's right, that's right. That's right. Listen to all the people in the background. That's right, that's right. Oh my God, dude. Okay, I interesting line of thinking. Let, let's go there. Let's go there. Let's keep listening. Then there would be no such thing as homosexuality. That's right, that's right. That's right. Because over the last 400 trillion, billion, zillion, quadbillion, zillion, million years, Evolution would have washed that out. Uh, this is a complete conspiracy theory. The idea that evolution isn't real and that the Earth is only 6,000 years old. It is a conspiracy theory. It really is. No different than Flat Earth or any of the other conspiracies out there. It's exactly the same. But, you know, he did bring up an interesting point. There's an article on BBC.com. BBC is a reasonably trustworthy news outlet. I go to them for some of my news. I heavily focus on AP News and Reuters. That's where I want to get all of my news. If they're not saying it, then I don't trust it generally. But BBC isn't bad. BBC is okay. So let's just take a quick glance at this article on BBC, The Evolutionary Puzzle of Homosexuality, because it does make you wonder. You know, he brought up an interesting point. How did this evolve? Because large swaths of populations, not just humans, but like rams, have long-term homosexual relationships, like 10% of the ram population or something. He brought up the interesting point, which is, how did that evolve? Uh, BBC talks about it a little bit here. So let's just kind of read a little bit. This subheading in the article is the genes that code for homosexuality do other things too. Uh, some of this is speculation, of course. So take it with a grain of salt. But this is what BBC had to say. The allele or group of genes that sometimes codes for homosexual orientation may at other times have strong reproductive benefit. This would compensate for gay people's lack of reproduction and ensure that the continuation of the trait as non-gay carriers of the gene pass it down. Oh, and uh, another thing that this article points out is that most people are on a spectrum between gay and straight. And it's incredibly rare to find somebody who is fully 100% completely gay. 
Now, I, I haven't seen the statistics on that. It, it is a BBC article, so I, I do lend it a little bit of credibility and trust because it's coming from BBC. But yeah, just take everything you read with a grain of salt unless you're looking at scientific articles specifically. There are two more ways this might happen. One possibility is that the allele confers a psychological trait that makes straight men more attractive to women or straight women more attractive to men. We know that women tend to like more feminine behavioral features and facial features in their men, and that might be associated with things like good presenting skills or greater empathy, says Quasi Raman, co-author of Born Gay, The Psychology of Sex Orientation. Therefore, the theory goes a low dose, quote-unquote, of these alleles enhances the carrier's chances of reproductive success. Every now and then, a family member receives a larger dose that affects his or her sexual orientation, but the allele still has an overall reproductive advantage. I find it interesting that Jack Hibbs over here decided to try to throw this gotcha out here, when in reality it's not a gotcha. It doesn't prove evolution wrong or something like that. Evolution has been proven true over and over again. There really is no way to eliminate evolution as a scientific theory. It, it's here to stay. It is what it is, whether Jack Hibbs likes that or not. But he does ask interesting questions in an attempt to destroy it. Emily Sigmund, from an evolution standpoint, having members who are gay means you have people who will put their own weight yet not create more mouths to feed. Yeah, that, uh, pull their own weight, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's true. Uh, there are a lot of evolutionary explanations for why this adaptation developed and and spread and i think it's absolutely ridiculous that jack hibbs was trying to use it as a gotcha moment like disproved evolution just now the guy is absolutely ridiculous from top to bottom what do theists think about when god created humans with unnecessary body hair what's the purpose for most humans it's not thick enough to keep us warm in the winter so what do they think its purpose is they don't think that far ahead the thing is like with evolution we have a ton of vestigial things like our for example we don't need these men don't women have a use for them what's the purpose of men having them what's the purpose of having a tailbone where did that even come from why do we have these things there are a billion vestigial things on humans or a billion things that we don't need that serve absolutely literally no purpose for us but we still have them why they don't need an answer for that in their minds. They don't want to find an answer for that. They ignore it completely. They just try to poke at culture war issues and spread their conspiracy in any form they possibly can, their, their young earth conspiracy. Homosexuality, LBGTQ actions prove the existence of God. Uh, no, even if there was no explanation for this, even if you disproved evolution, it would not prove God was real. And even if it did prove God was real, I mean, we're multiple degrees removed now, but even if it did, it wouldn't prove that your God exists. It wouldn't prove that Yahweh, Father of Jesus, exists. Because God's word says this is, would be some of the outcome and actions of the last days. 
Yeah, so that's uh, that's Jack Hibbs. Like I said, this clip came out mid July 2021, so not not really that old. But he released a new clip recently because we had some events unfolding in the U.S. If you're from outside the U.S., let me explain. We have a Supreme Court here, and the Supreme Court is capable of basically writing up big drafts, like hundred-page drafts that describe decisions that they make. So the Supreme Court is tasked with looking at cases that are brought before them and deciding if they align with the Constitution or not. Are they constitutional or not? So I think 50 years ago in the 70s, they faced a case called Roe v. Wade, and the case was about whether or not abortion should be legal, if people should be allowed to run abortion clinics or or whatever else, right? The Supreme Court in the 70s decided that, yes, in fact, it is constitutional to a point. Now, the draft that they wrote at the time, like I said, a big, long set of papers, like an essay, basically, describing at what point it would be wrong. And the Supreme Court at the time decided that past 20 weeks was wrong, basically. That's what they decided at the time, or something like that. So in the draft, there was a big list of rules and expectations and regulations that you should follow and things like that. It was almost like a legal document. It it was basically like a... It was almost like a law that they wrote describing when it's okay to do it and when it's not okay to do it. And Roe v. Wade, that case has stood strong for 50 years until now. I don't think it's officially been voted on yet. I'm not super sure, but you remember that big long document I described that they write to explain everything that that they want to explain about how they think that this should work? It's called a, a draft opinion, basically. That leaked from the Supreme Court. One of our Supreme Court justices wrote a 100-page draft opinion about how it should work, and it leaked to the public, which means they've already discussed it, and they are, in fact, overturning Roe v. Wade. The Supreme Court of the U.S. has jurisdiction federally, so what they just did was they erased the right to have an abortion countrywide. So now states have the ability to legalize or illegalize abortion. It's up to the states now. I think 23 states or some crazy thing like that have made abortion illegal. Some of them have even talked about instituting the death penalty for people who have it done. I mean, these people claim to be pro-life. You know what? Don't even send me down this road. We'll never get out. These people claim to be pro-life, but they're giving the death penalty to people for this. This It's just so backwards. When you realize it's not about moral consistency or morals at all, everything starts to make sense. When you realize the decisions that these people make are not intended to be logical, they're not based on logic in any way, then their decisions start to make sense. It is only about hurting their enemy. So once you see it from that perspective, you realize what they're doing and why they're doing it, and it could be used as a useful predictive tool. Okay, so now that you have that background into what Roe v. Wade was and why it's bad that it's been reversed, listen to Jack Hibbs here talking about it. I'm not really sure why he appears to be wearing some kind of a it looks like a, a judge robe. I, I don't know why he's wearing this. But anyway, listen to his opinion on this. Uh, early May 2022. This is after the draft leaked. Let me tell you something. The Democrat Party is a death cult. 
Every single Democrat voted to babies up in Sacramento last week. And what's going to wake us up? Yeah, I don't know what he's talking about. Maybe I'm missing something. Like, maybe I'm missing some information about some bill that passed recently in California or something. This is an incredibly pivotal moment in U.S. history when Roe v. Wade is being abolished. It's extremely concerning and disconcerting. But, I, I, you know, I do have some good news. So we'll look at the good news in a little, in a couple of minutes. Stick around if you want to hear a little bit of the good news with Roe v. Wade. But did you notice what he said there? The Democratic Party is a death cult. Isn't it interesting to hear them describe the Democrats as a death cult? Everything they do is projection. It's all projection. Where's the pulpits? Where's the pastors? This is the last call. They really shouldn't be getting involved in politics if they specifically endorse or oppose specific candidates, they're supposed to lose their tax-exempt status. Unfortunately, the IRS hasn't been enforcing that rule that is in U.S. tax code. The Johnson Amendment is what it's called. Not for nothing, but Jack Hibbs himself even specifically endorsed a political candidate, held a campaign event at his church for a political candidate, Larry Elder, during the, like, when there was that vote to get Gavin Newsom out and his opponent Larry Elder in not too long ago, Jack Hibbs held a full-blown political rally at his church and collected donations for the guy. I've seen churches now, instead of putting the gospel on the marquee of the church, that church now says Black Lives Matter. But they got the acronym wrong. BLM, the acronym BLM. Okay, Jack, what's the acronym supposed to stand for? BLM. It really means because Larry matters. La ladies and gentlemen, welcome Larry Elder this morning. Actually held a full-blown campaign rally for a guy. Uh, seriously, he's supposed to have his tax-exempt status removed for doing something like that. So back to what he was saying here, where are the preachers, blah, blah, blah. There's supposed to be a wall of separation between the church and the state. Not every pastor out there is obsessed with destroying the separation between church and state and turning this into a theocracy. Not every pastor out there is like that. Just you and a handful of your friends, and they've come to the point now where they are nearly succeeding in that effort. Where's the pulpits? Where's the pastors? This is the last call. God is not going to put up with it anymore. If there was an ark being built, I could hear the doors, the hinges starting to creak as that door is beginning to shut. You know how long people have been saying that? Do you have any idea how long pastors have been telling their congregations that the end is coming any five minutes now? Jesus' disciples believed it was coming in their day. It's been happening since the very beginning, since the start, the literal start of Christianity. Pastors have been saying this. So forgive me if I'm having trouble believing this one. If there was an ark being built, I could hear the doors, the hinges starting to creak as that door is beginning to shut. If this is Sodom and Gomorrah, like Star Parker talked about this morning, she worked. Wow, that was like a, a really long pause. He, I guess he couldn't remember the person's name. Okay. Star Parker talked about this morning. She works in Sodom and then flies home to Gomorrah here in California. <laughs> you can see clouds starting to form. I you know what's interesting? Every time they bring up Sodom and Gomorrah, it's like they're kind of 
subtly hinting at LGBT rights. They're hinting at how evil that is or whatever. But Sodom and Gomorrah, the story in the Bible, it wasn't about LGBT rights or, or inclusion or any of that. It was about the two cities' ill treatment of the poor. But they have no problem with that, fascinatingly. That's not even the thing that they focus on. They don't care. What they care about is hating people from the LGBT community. Like I said, no logic. If you're coming at this with logic, you're going to be let down. It's not about logic. If you think you can arrive at their conclusions logically, you're wrong. What they're doing is they're coming at this from an angle of hating their enemy. Nothing else. When you realize they only want to hate their enemy, everything else they say makes sense. You can see clouds starting to form. I believe, friends, in the spirit, clouds are starting to form over the state of California. This is our last call. And woe, woe to the pulpit that does not get involved to save a child's life. Woe to the pulpit that stays silent at an hour like this. Yeah, absolutely grotesque, dude. The fact that he's desperately trying to integrate politics and religion is dangerous and concerning. We are in a, a dangerous and concerning moment in U.S. history right now. We have been for the past four years or so. But let me lay this on you. Earlier I said I had some good news that I wanted to look at about Roe v. Wade. There are three main points that I want to bring up regarding Roe v. Wade. The first point that I want to bring up is abortion access is actually better now than it was six months ago because the pills are easily accessible by mail. USPS said they will ship Plan C pills, as they call them. Plan C pills. They'll ship them to you to any state, doesn't matter what their laws are. And USPS, of course, being a government entity, isn't allowed to search your packages. There's no way for anybody to know what's actually in it. All of the packaging is discreet and everything else. If you want to know how to get these pills shipped to you, I believe the website you go to is plancpills.org. Plancpills.org. Uh, check the description for the link just in case I'm incorrect on this point. I will put a link in the description, so check that if you want to uh, take a look at it. So abortion access is in a better place now than it was six months ago for that reason alone. That's the first silver lining I wanted to talk about. The second silver lining is it's possible for us to enshrine this into law and bypass the Supreme Court completely. We don't have to worry about the Supreme Court. In fact, we shouldn't have been relying on the Supreme Court at all this entire time. There have been moments in U.S. history when the Democrats have had a supermajority in Congress and it was possible for them to make a law about this and make Roe v. Wade permanent. There were times in history when they could have done that. For some reason, they didn't but we can do it now. It's possible to do now. Well, technically we can't right now because we don't hold a supermajority in the Senate, but it is possible to do generally. It's possible to do. You know how you do it? Vote. That's how you do it. You get out there and you vote to replace Republican senators in Congress. Get out there and vote to get a majority Democrat in the Senate so that we can enshrine Roe v. Wade into law. So that's silver lining number two. It's possible to undo what the Supreme Court just did, and we're coming up on a midterm right now. And here's the third silver lining. There's been a lot of talk from Republicans lately about banning contraception, 
banning gay marriage, all of, all of these things, it, it is actually possible for them to do because they hold a majority on the Supreme Court. It's possible for them to reverse precedent in the Supreme Court. They could make being gay illegal. They could make gay marriage illegal, two separate issues. They could make both of those things illegal. They could also make interracial marriage illegal. Being gay, gay marriage, Roe v. Wade, interracial marriage, and then the fifth one being contraception. Those five things, those were mentioned in the legal draft that was leaked from the Supreme Court recently. So there's no reason to think that they're not going after those things. And as I said, there are Republicans out there right now writing bills to ban contraception, to ban condoms statewide at the very least in their individual states. There are congressmen out there doing those things right now. And here's the third silver lining to this. I believe they're overreaching. I think what they're doing by even mentioning banning condoms or banning birth control, I think by doing that, they are jeopardizing their chance in the midterms, which are coming up. I really think that they are about to burn themselves by bringing this up. Democrats, I I don't think they had a great chance in the primary coming up, but now that Roe v. Wade has obviously been overturned, or is about to be anyways, and now that Republicans are coming out saying that they're going to ban contraception and things like that, I really think Democrats may have a a significantly better chance than they did before. So that's your third silver lining. Abortion access is better now than it was six months ago because of the pills. We can reverse what was just done by passing legislation. And the Democrats have a much better chance to take back seats because of what Republicans are doing right now, because they're going completely unhinged at the moment. So if you're stressed, keep those three things in mind. Don't let it get you down. Just keep your head down and keep moving forward. Do not stop. Do your best and don't worry about the rest. If you're in a red state that's banning this right now, good luck and be careful and do not put yourself at risk. Do what's best for you, okay? If you disagree with me, let me know. I'm on Twitter, at Telltale Atheist. Next, we're going to talk about Pastor Johnny Enlow's deep, disturbing love for Kofifi. Give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Johnny Enlow is resurrecting a meme that I never let go of all these years later. And I have to say, I I really do appreciate it. I'll show you the meme that he's resurrecting, but before we do, let me just catch you up on who this guy is in case you're unfamiliar. Back in January of 2022, January 21st, he puts out this video. He goes on this guy's uh, Facebook page called The Elijah List. Dude's name is Steve Schultz. He got COVID, Steve did. I mean, the owner of like the, the Facebook page that we're looking at here. He gets COVID in, in early to mid-January, right? And he has this woman, Kelsey O'Malley, sit in for him. So Johnny Enlow goes on Steve Schultz's channel, The Elijah List, to impart prophecy. And the name of the stream was Humpty Dumpty. 
he had some Humpty Dumpty prophecy to lay down. Real stuff. So let's listen to this Humpty Dumpty prophecy from Johnny Enlow. I mean, people take this dude seriously. He really does believe himself to be a prophet, and a lot of other people believe it too. Let's listen to his Humpty Dumpty prophecy, January 21st, 2022. Before we go on, I want to just, because this is part prophetic declaration at all. Prophetic declaration, like I said. Declaration at all. The way I heard it is not Humpty Dumpty is going to fall down. What I actually heard was just what the nursery rhyme says. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. So this is, as we move forward, uh, we want to take note that this is a declaration in the spirit of something that has already happened. And all the king's horses and all the king's men cannot put Humpty Dumpty back together again. The guy got a nursery rhyme stuck in his head and no joke, believes that it was prophetic declaration from God. That's who we're dealing with. And like I said before, he's not a nobody either. He's not a nobody. He helps form the curriculums for Christian private schools and stuff like that. He is listened to by a lot of people. Uh, not to mention the fact that I believe he has a church, a mega church. Anyway, he's incredibly influential. So I want to kind of go through a little bit of his history of Trump love because you're going to have to kind of understand his history to understand why him resurrecting this old meme is so relevant. So watch this clip. This is early December 2019. He was once again imparting prophetic declarations to people. Listen to this. Johnny Enlow and his wife here on the left. I was asking the Lord about it. He hadn't told me. I was like, Lord, you still haven't showed me. And then on March, right when I'm saying that I have this, oh, it's not an open vision, but it was a vision. And in the vision, I see this circular mountain that goes up and there's a path all the way up. And at the top is Donald Trump and he's on a motorcycle and he's on, on a motorcycle and he's making a lot of noise with it. <laughs> Look at the love and adoration in her eyes as her husband talks about Donald Trump. This is a new level, dude. This is a new level. And he has red, white, and blue bandana on his, on his head. And so in an instant, it wasn't hard for me to figure out what was being said. It's the only time I've ever, while seeing a vision, actually talked out loud. And I go, oh, no, because I was like, this means this is not going to be a peaceful exchange. This is not a peaceful transition we're going into. This is, is something more. Yeah, by the way, I, I don't know if I mentioned, but this is from December 2019, I believe. But he continued to spread this same prophecy over and over again. And then I was brought in real close to the motorcycle and it was triumph, which is further confirmation. And so I was like, Lord, as I'm saying that, the first thing he said is, he is going to save you from things you don't know you need to be saved from yet. And then the Lord progressively began to speak regarding that. And he said, this time in the presidency is going to be a hinge of the ages and be known as before Trump and after Trump because of the way I'm going to use him. I'm using wow. him as a Trump card, but I'm the Trump card player. And so your nation will be known as before Trump and after Trump. And he said, the nations will be known as before Trump, after Trump. So we, according to Johnny Enlow, we're moving from a system based on Jesus, which is A.D. and B.C., before Christ, and Anno Domini, which means year of our Lord. We're moving from that system to a, a system based on Donald Trump. Godless blessings. We have already switched from B.C. to before Common Era. 
old BC and common era CE, old AD. That's true, but not all of us. Only, I think in the scientific community, we've mostly switched to that, but not entirely. You still find articles written that use the old ones. We're trying to move to that, but there's a lot of pushback from Christians. FYI, the entire world doesn't use BCE and CE, or even BC and AD. The Muslim world, I believe the current year is 1443. They're using the current Islamic calendar. 2021 was 1443 in Islamic countries. BC and AD is a very, very Christian thing. If that doesn't tell you that he views Trump as like a new messiah, I don't know what will. Actually, I do know what will. We have more. We'll get there. Keep listening. And the Lord, it was like, he's like I'm really not interested in your all's vote this time. I'm doing it. I usually give you all that option. This time, I'm not. This is a rescue operation from heaven. Yeah, this is pretty funny in retrospect, knowing that uh, Trump lost miserably. He lost to Biden as badly as Hillary lost to Trump in 2016. I, I love it. I eat it up, man. This is this is a, a a moment of the ages. This will go down. This time period will go down as a before and after AD. You know, a, a, but BC AD, the, depending on what terminology you use now. Fascinating, absolutely fascinating. So, that's the Trump prophecy from Johnny Enlow. That one specifically, like I said, came out 2019, this video did, but he's been doing this prophecy or, or saying it or whatever since 2016. Anyways, uh, January 21st, 2022, back to the Humpty Dumpty prophecy. He goes out there and says this to Kelsey O'Malley. He explains to us the video that we just watched. He explains the prophecy to us in this clip. Listen to this one. From heaven's standpoint, Trump is the number one government official on planet Earth. January 2022. January 2022 is when he's saying this. He is the president, not just of the United States. He is God's president for Earth at this time. President of Earth. Trump is president of Earth. But his assignment, people are like, when is he going to be there? In this, the seat where Biden is, is, is way less important than people know. At some point... Oh, I love it. I didn't want the seat anyways. You can have it. I got more important stuff to do. Is way less important than people know. At some point, yes, he's going to, that seat will uh, will be back officially where it's supposed to. I don't know the timing of it. Um, I had no idea of the full picture, the full range of everything that needed to be corrected and then brought into alignment with the kingdom of God when I was getting the original prophetic words on it. Yeah, original prophetic words. He's talking about the video we just watched a minute ago about him saying this will be a hinge of the ages and all that stuff. Was getting the original prophetic words on it. All I, my initial stuff is the world will be known as before and after Trump when he comes in. And I was even looking at my prophetic word from four years ago. It's going to be an eight year operation for, 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 that, to, for that to happen. Yeah, totally. Uh, eight year operation that checks out. When we understand that there are people that are not just more powerful than the president of the United States. Um, they're more, pre they're more powerful than the United States is right now. Yeah. So that's Johnny Enlow and his absolute undying adoration for a failed president. But guess what? He never stopped believing this stuff. He never gave up on this. He literally believes Trump to be the Messiah. 
He even calls this the Trump test. Listen to this one, early June 2021. Even if you think you have 100% devotion to God, it's going to cost you. And, and this is a key time. Once we establish what a key time in history this is, this is a line in the sand. This Trump test, uh, you know, it's been clearer than ever. People I've interviewed, uh, I've been on their programs and stuff, and who's being advanced and blessed um, and, and ministries that are advancing and blessing and who I see an increased anointing and who are seeing more. They're seeing more favor. They're seeing more revelatory are people who didn't back off Trump. The Trump test, he says, the Trump test. God is giving people the Trump test. And the proof is that people who succeed, the pastors who succeed, are the ones who support Donald Trump. I know it seems bleak right now. I know it seems like Donald Trump is just a nobody, just some loser who ran for president and then failed. But no, this is a test. God's testing us because Donald Trump really is something special in the theology, and we have to trust in God and trust in Trump. This is not that old, dude. Like I said, the clip right before this one was January 2022. This clip is about a year old now. No joke, this guy deeply loves Donald Trump, like on the level of Jesus, it seems to me. If that doesn't convince you that there is a group of people out there who views Donald Trump as a messiah, then listen to this one. This is Jovan Hutton Pulitzer, I believe is how his name is pronounced. Forgive me if I got it wrong. Uh, he was on something called The Steel Truth. I've talked about that show before, The Steel Truth. I, I believe the woman's name is Anne, uh, who runs it. But listen to Jovan Hutton Pulitzer. I'm gonna give you a name of somebody. You come back and give me one name or, or one uh, descriptive word, Trump. Don't take this wrong, but remember I'm Jewish and a Messiah is in Judaism as a person who would bring the one true God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to the world. A Messiah means a great leader, a great prophet. I believe that Donald J. Trump is a Messiah for what's called the New Jerusalem, which is the United States of America. He was it and he opened everybody's eyes. That's the only way I can describe him. He's a prophecy oh. fulfilled. I believe this guy was one of the people leading the audit or leading an election audit originally. Yeah, Jovan Pulitzer, he played a role in the Arizona election audit, like Maricopa County election audit or whatever. That's why he's relevant in the first place, because he was like involved in the audit. He literally, literally believes Trump to be a messiah. He used the words and everything. I don't think that many people want to admit to the fact that they view Trump as a new messiah, but they dance around it a lot. Like Johnny Enlow dances around it a lot and, and talks about how relevant and important Donald Trump is in his theology and all this other stuff. But he doesn't usually come out and say, I believe Donald Trump is, is a messiah. He usually says things like, we're going to switch from using B.C. and A.D. to before Trump and after Trump. He says things like that, which pretty clearly imply it. But this guy just comes right out and says it. I believe Donald Trump is the Messiah. If you doubted that there was a contingency of pastors out there who actually bought it, who believed that about Donald Trump, there you go. And like I said before, if you doubted that this guy was relevant or important enough to talk about in the first place, let me show you this clip. This is from late March 2022. At this event, they invited some candidates for office. They invited them up on stage. Listen to this. So we've got 
uh, Mark Thielman running for governor of the state of Oregon here with us today. Mark. We've got Darren Harbick running for state senate. Would you stand? And finally, yeah, I obviously cut the clip down to size because people sat there clapping for like 20 minutes. It was entirely too long. I don't care about hearing people clap. We've got Patty Adair running for county commissioner. Could I get all three candidates to come up here and join us, please? Obviously, we've got some candidates for political office. Important people, reasonably important people. They're coming up on stage joining Johnny Enlow and his wife. I forget his wife's name now. Well, anyway, joining Johnny Enlow and his wife on stage. Elizabeth, that's the name. Lord, we just join in, join in with Bobby here as well, Lord, and we commission them in your name. They have asked for that as well, Lord, so we commission them, and whatever that means and represents and is imparted to them in the spirit realm of apostolic commissioning, let that be released over them. Even right now, Lord, let the new angels that come with that uh, with that commissioning be released to them yeah. right now angels that protect their household uh, angels that protect their relationships the husband and wife the family the children all aspects of it let yeah. that new shield come around all of yes. them even at this time lord and i thank you lord you're showing me and want me to tell them all that you've already won and it's winning from his standpoint which means he's shown me before that whatever we contend for we actually get Whatever we contend for, we penetrate with the kingdom of God. And so if he considers it best for you to win, then it's going, you're going to officially win out there. But it's a win. I feel like the guy kind of skips around his words a little bit. But I, I, I think the ultimate point that he's making here is that he is telling these candidates that they're going to win because God wants them to win. He is blessing them with God's blessing. We went out there, but it's a win for the kingdom of God. Just the fact yeah. that you have said, we're going for this position. He says it will be penetrated in the spirit. It will forever be uh, marked as kingdom territory. Yes. And that if it's the right time um, for you, this will be where he has you there. For, he, he wants you to be at ease at ease for what's taking place as if you already won because you have won in his eyes and he has seen your humility and recognizing your need for help like i don't understand what happens when they don't win i i'm sure that there are instances where he prays for them and they don't win it's just really weird to me that this guy like goes out here and and prays for people knowing that there's a distinct possibility that they may lose and he's just declaring them the winners beforehand like months before the actual election takes place. It's just real strange stuff. So anyway, the point is, the guy plays a real legitimate role in US politics in the form of praying over candidates and blessing them with God's blessing or whatever else. This really is a full-blown religious cult. And I feel like if Catholics recognized this for what it is, a full religious cult that is power hungry as they come, they would never vote for another evangelical candidate again for the rest of their days. Same with Mormons. If they really understood the full extent of the evangelical cult out there and what they believe and what they're willing to do to win elections, they would never vote for them again. They would do whatever it took to make sure they weren't getting involved in this evangelical cult. People underestimate it. They really do. Anyway, 
That brings us to our latest clip. This one came out early May 2022. This is a new prophecy I like to call the Kofifi prophecy. Some people may pronounce it differently. Uh, official canon is, I think Donald Trump pronounced it himself. If you're unfamiliar with Kofifi, let me just give you background on this meme. Donald Trump originally sent a tweet that made no sense at all, and nobody really understood what it was or whatever, but he just tweets out, despite the constant negative press Kofifi. That's what Trump said. He tweeted it out, basically no context or anything like that. Got 13,000 likes at one point. I'm not sure what it finally ended up reaching. 35,000 likes on this one. Of course, his Twitter is gone now, so we have no way of going and looking at how many likes he eventually got on the tweet that made absolutely no sense. But it was a lot. Needless to say, it was a lot. And I personally picked up on the Kofifi meme, and I love it to death, dude. It's probably my favorite meme of all time. So anyways, it's spelled C-O-V-F-E-F-E. And there's some debate about how it's pronounced. Like some people say Kofefe, some say Kofefe, some say Kofifi. Uh, I guess it just kind of depends on your personality and, and whatever else. But I think official canon is... Trump came out on stage one time and said it. I think he said Kofefi, but I like Kofifi personally. So anyway, getting off track because I'm so emotional about Kofifi. Let's listen to Johnny Enloe's Kofifi prophecy from God. God gave Johnny Enloe the Kofifi prophecy. Kofifi is C-O-V-F-E-F-E. And, and so that's how it's spelled, okay? Based on the context of the tweet, which there was very little of, but it was there. Despite the negative press, Kofifi, that's what it said. I think he meant to say coverage. It seems like he was trying to say coverage. Kofifi is C-O-V-F-E-F-E. He pronounces it like I do. And, and so that's how it's spelled, okay? C-O-V-F-E-F-E. Can't do with the fingers when I'm doing like this. But anyway, Kofifi. And yes, people thought that was an error for spelling coffee. No, it wasn't an error for spelling coffee. I think it was coverage. But uh, I do refer to my coffee as Kofifi on a regular basis. I love it, dude. Anyways, okay, what do you got for us, Johnny? Keep going. They haven't learned yet that President Trump doesn't really miss anything. If something <laughs> is spelled, if he leaves out an L, he adds an R, he does. It's everything has a reason and a purpose. This is very strategic what is taking place. So Kofifi is. Wow. Uh, he's saying that everything that Donald Trump does is specific and intentional. You know, I've heard this claim before. One of the evidences that these people tend to use for like Donald Trump basically being like the new prophet or the, the new messiah or whatever. One of the evidences they use is this guy named Mark Taylor. They call him the firefighter prophet. And he claimed to have prophesied that Donald Trump was going to run for president. He claimed that he thought Trump was going to run for president in like 2012. Trump didn't run for president in 2012, so he claimed it again the following election. Finally, Trump ended up running for president. Anyway, prophecy is irrelevant. It was ridiculous, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Mark Taylor is the firefighter prophet. He's one of the people that they use as evidence that Donald Trump is like the new messiah, right? Listen to what Mark Taylor had to say about Donald Trump on election day in 2020 listen to this this has been a uh, setup from the very beginning from the democrats you know whether it was trying to hurt trump with the covid whether it was trying to hurt him uh with this or that 
I mean, there's so many different things. You know, the vaccine, I, I tell people, if you were listening to Trump back in the COVID times, to a lot of his press conferences. Is somebody rustling papers in the background? What are you doing, man? Do you not know how to run a proper podcast? I guess I'm not one to talk. I can hear my cat omnomming their food over there, but I digress. Trump's 10 steps ahead of everybody. And when you listen to him speak, every time that he would say the word COVID, switch that out with the word cabal. Mm -hmm. Every time that he, he says, what is the cure? The vaccine. What is the vaccine? We, the people in the military, when they go in and they start arresting these people, I think this, he was giving code out a lot of times to the people because there's always more than one depth of revelation to what he says. Do you catch that? More than one depth of revelation to what he says. Revelation. They really do view Donald Trump as a new messiah. Revelation is a word I have only ever heard associated with God. God it gives people revelation, right? And prophets interpret that revelation. They are interpreting the revelation that Donald Trump is giving to them. It's the same with Johnny Enlow. What was it he said? Or he does, it's everything has a reason and a purpose. This is very strategic what is taking place. They really do. It's not profit level. They do not believe Donald Trump is a prophet. They believe Donald Trump is giving them prophecy. That's how I'm reading this. They're supposed to be interpreting Trump's prophecy. These people are prophets in Christianity, or they believe themselves to be. They believe themselves to interpret prophecy from God and give it down to the pastors of churches and stuff like that. Like a while back, I was talking about Tony Spell, and Tony Spell like had this entirely new order for how he thought society should run. And, and it should be in the United States of America. The prophet, the priests the prince, and the people. Isaiah talks about that. There is a divine order. God says, I want to speak to my prophet. He's going to speak to my priests. And then the princes, that's governing bodies. And then the people. Well, today, everything is upside down. You have the people controlling the government, the government controlling the priests who have silenced the prophets. America's in trouble today. America's in trouble with God. It should be pastors giving church instructions and information, church giving government instructions and information, and government giving the people instructions and information. That's how it should be in Tony Spell's mind. These people are the prophets at the top of churches that give pastors information. That's who these people are. That's wh where Johnny Enlow is in the hierarchy. He's very high up, very influential. And he believes he's receiving special secret messages from Donald Trump. He believes himself to be a prophet, not just of God, but a prophet of Trump who is interpreting information from him. And here we're listening to Johnny Enlow interpret Kofifi. So Kofifi is, um, it's, there are three from the table of elements. C-O is for cobalt. V is for vanadium. Fe, Fe is two molecules of iron. This is the solution, the antidote to the 5G towers that were really designed to work with the vaccines and essentially hack really? the human beings. Really? And so what he implemented when he was telling Kofifi before, um, he was, so they created, essentially, if I understand it correctly, some sort of magnet that they put at every pole, 5G pole, that essentially doesn't allow it to do the hacking that they wanted to do. Wow. 
he believes that Donald Trump was giving us a chemical composition to counteract vaccines. That is a new level, dude. I am so sorry that Johnny Enlow has found himself trapped in this situation, trapped in this mindset, trapped in this conspiracy theory. I really feel bad for the guy. I deeply wish that he'd come back to reality with the rest of us. I don't know what it would take. I don't know what we'd have to say to him. I don't know. I don't know. But I really deeply, I think he'd be a nice guy to be around, honestly. I think he'd be chill. I think he'd be fun to hang out with if we could just get him back down to reality with everybody else. Dude is gone. Dude is gone. If you disagree with me, then let me know. I'm on Twitter at Telltale Atheist. Hit me up. Next, we're going to talk about a Q interpreter claiming he can multiply food like Jesus did. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. If you're unfamiliar with Dave Hayes, aka The Praying Medic, he is a renowned Q interpreter. The interesting thing about Q and the QAnon movement more generally is that they don't have prophets exactly, they don't have priests or pastors or whatever, not really. Because it's not really a religious cult, it's a political cult. They have interpreters. The best of the best, the top of the field, are top-notch Q interpreters. If you're unfamiliar with Q, let me just give you a little bit of background here. QAnon is this group of people who followed this guy that was posting messages online, and this guy called himself Q. He claimed to have a bunch of secrets that he was revealing, claimed to be like a government agent that had Q-level security clearance, and he's dropping little hints all over the place to lead you to correct conclusions about what's happening in the government right now. Basically, that's what Q is. Just a super simple, basic explanation of the movement. Well, Q made a lot of direct claims throughout his tenure as the leader of the QAnon movement. He claimed that Hillary Clinton was about to be arrested. Never happened, of course. He claimed that Donald Trump was absolutely going to win the 2020 election. Never happened, of course. I mean, all of this stuff just straight up never happened. And after the election took place, after Trump definitively lost, Q went silent. Didn't say another word. I don't remember the exact day, the very last post. Maybe may have been in December of 2020. But anyways, shortly after the election, that was it. No more posts from Q. But the interpreters that got famous for interpreting what Q was saying, continued on to interpret more and more, to find old posts from Q and read it like a Bible. No joke. They were reading it like it was a Bible. All of his posts. They wrote books about it. I mean, this guy on screen, praying medic, the guy on the right here, if you're watching, uh, or this guy right here, this is another shot of him. He wrote books about this. The Praying Medic, he's been using that moniker, that name, for 12 years, I think, in various different 
forums. Like he wasn't always a QAnon interpreter, obviously, uh, not until like twenty six or twenty seventeen, somewhere in somewhere in there, I think is when he really started focusing on QAnon. Uh, leading up to that, he was focusing on, like, supernatural slash religious stuff. Like I said, he wrote books about this, and he's ultra-famous. He was one of the QAnon interpreters that were kicked off of, like, Facebook and Twitter and all the other things, and listed in, like, news articles about it. The guy is high-profile, very high-profile. He's probably one of the most high-profile QAnon interpreters out there. So anyway, uh, I wanted to give you a little bit of context for the things that he said in the past. Q claimed that there was going to be a storm that happened, a great storm. And this storm, I don't think he got super specific with it. The poster didn't, Q. But his interpreters interpreted this storm to be this big event where there were mass arrests military tribunals and all this stuff and they were just going to tear down the entire political system top to bottom basically a massive military coup was going to take place that was their belief when that didn't happen they decided to make the storm happen themselves on january 6th january 6th was supposed to be the storm they were supposed to enter the capital and capture the representatives and turn them over to the military for tribunals for military tribunals that's what they were planning to do and that may actually have happened if they had succeeded in getting into the capital in time and capturing the representatives i don't know that the military would have gone along with it i don't think they would have but either way january 6th was supposed to be the storm and it didn't happen but or it didn't succeed i'm sorry it did happen it just didn't succeed but may 2019 dave hayes the praying medic gets on camera, and he describes what's going to happen, what he believes is going to happen. For the record, he described the storm taking place and said he believes it was going to happen in previous years too. I believe 2017, 2018 for sure, 2019, 2020, 2021, and 2022, he made predictions that the storm was happening. I'm sorry, prophecies. Made prophecies the storm was going to take place in those years. So let's just listen to his May 2019 prophecy. Check this one out. Q has often said, especially over the last six months, this is going to be the end of the D party. The end of the Democrat Party. Okay, now, if you are, you know, average person listening, watching Q, like, what do you mean the end of the Democrat Party? The Democrat Party is not going to end. Yes, it is. Yeah. And I'm going to explain to you how the Democrat Party is going to end. What we are going to see in the next year unrolled. Specific prediction. Gave a timeline, told us exactly what was going to happen, and he gets even more specific than this. This is a very specific prediction that he believes is going to take place in the next 12 months. Remember, this is May 2019 when this came out. So by May 2020, when it didn't happen, did he give up on it? Of course he didn't. Keep listening. We are going to see in the next year unrolled it is likely hundreds of members of Congress, most of them Democrats, some Republicans, all right, they're going to be arrested and they're going to be prosecuted for corruption. Q said that people in Congress were warned the storm is coming, and they were told, if you are playing the game and you are in Congress when the storm hits, you're going to be prosecuted. So remember, May 2019, this was right before the general election, like a year before the general election, year and a half. So some people decided not to run again 
that happens every time. That's not unusual. Some people just decide they don't want to be in politics anymore. They got bigger, better things to do, whatever. He took that as a sign that these people were approached by Q and told, if you don't get out, then there are going to be prosecutions for you. Everything, every single thing reinforces your belief in this conspiracy. If there's no evidence for your belief, that's evidence that it's being covered up. If there's evidence contrary to your belief, then it means they're framing people. They're lining it up and, and giving false evidence to make you think that it's not true. Everything acts as evidence for your belief system. Everything. Okay, so that was the praying medic. That, that was his 2019 prediction. And like I said, he made a prediction every single year. Every year he said something, something was going to happen. The storm was going to take place that year. That was his 2019 prediction. Like I said, he made one for 2020 also. Here's his prediction for 2021. This is from mid-November. The storm is pretty darn close to being here. Uh, the indictments are starting to be unsealed. And I think that 2022 is going to be glorious. The indictments are starting to be unsealed? What indictments? What does that mean? How do you know? Who told you that? Indictments for who? None of these questions are ever answered. Guy lives in a conspiratorial mindset 24-7. Mid-October 2021. This is just a month before that last appearance. I would just advise people, be patient. Hang in there. Wait. Don't, don't be impatient. Don't, don't be upset if it doesn't go at the speed that you want it to. The storm is coming. <laughs> and there is nothing anyone is going to do to stop it. The, the storm is on its way. It feels like this guy is just sitting in a room alone talking to a camera that no one is watching. That's not true. The guy is more influential than my channel is, significantly. He's written 16 books. He's very, very wealthy, very powerful in the right circles. He's got a Telegram channel with I don't, last I checked, 150,000 subbies on there, maybe 200,000, which is smaller than my main channel. That, that's true, but he has books. He, he does speaking engagements on a regular basis. He is well known in these circles. He's not some guy just kind of muttering to a camera alone in a room. The storm is coming, <laughs> and there is nothing anyone is going to do to stop it. He's not a nobody. He really is not. This is late October 2021, shortly after the last clip we watched, I believe. Please keep President Trump in prayer. Keep Q and the team in prayer. Uh, there were some interesting Scavino tweets, an ace Scavino tweet last night with uh, an interesting delta. A delta in the Q world. It's this term they came up with to describe when they notice that Q says something or somebody in the Q sphere says something. And then Donald Trump says the exact same thing. And, and the delta is the amount of time between each. Here's an example. Um, the people associated with Q asked Donald Trump one time at one of his rallies or one of his speeches to say the phrase tippity top, I think. They said, use the term tippity top for us as a shout out to our followers. Then, you know, these QAnon interpreters, the top people like this guy, I don't know if he specifically did this, but the top people in the movement then told their followers, Trump is going to say the term tippity top at this specific meeting, at this ball or whatever else. So watch for it. Trump's speech came and went and he didn't use the term tippity top. 
until three months later at some Easter event for the White House. He used it later. But the delta is the amount of time between when Scavino says the phrase tippity-top and Trump tweets the exact same phrase, tippity-top. Like, the delta is like the 12 minutes in between each, thus implying that Trump is reading what they're writing or he's trying to hint to them that he knows what's going on and he agrees with them and all that other stuff. It's just nonsense. It's just conspiracy nonsense all the way down. Nothing more. Just conspiracy theory stuff. That's what a delta is. Delta. It's on my Telegram timeline if you want to check it out. Uh, like I said before, I think Q and the team have been observing us on social media. And I suspect they're probably pretty proud about the way we've handled things uh, in their absence. I'm honestly deeply surprised that these people didn't catch on to the fact that this was a grift from the very beginning. And they think that these people are watching what the interpreters are doing and proud of them for blah, blah, blah. You can't be proud of somebody for falling for a scam. Doesn't really work that way. You can be glad they fell for a scam. It's so sad, dude. So sad that these people fell for it. Well, the praying medic, I think he got sick of waiting for the storm. Took him five years, give or take, but he finally got sick of it. This is early February 2022. He went on Patrick Gunnell's channel to talk to him. Check this out. No one is, has been more pissed off at Q than me uh, for the you know three years we sat through of waiting for the arrests, thinking that the arrests were just around the corner, like it was just going to happen in this... This next week, we're going to see people arrested. You know what's fascinating? Evangelicals are still sitting there waiting for the end to come in exactly the same way. And, and it never happened. Uh, so I have, you know, as much frustration as anyone does about how long we've been waiting for the arrest to happen. However, yeah. um, Q did warn us on the front end of the conversation that a lot of what he was going to put out was going to be disinformation. Yeah, very true. Uh, wow. So he says he's upset about the fact that Q claimed that the storm was right around the corner and then it never happened. But he understands. Q told us up front that he was spreading disinformation. So, yeah, okay, that checks out totally. Very true. Uh, information, dis dis disinformation designed to make the bad guys make wrong moves. So you had to get real with that. If you're going to buy on to the to the Q thing, you have to know up front half of what Q is going to tell you is not going to be true. It's for the it's for the purpose of psychological operations. And that's just how it is. This is sad. This is so deeply sad. I I I really feel bad for this guy praying medic. He is in a deep, dark hole and I just don't know how he escapes it, except I do know how he escapes it because the dude escaped it. Turns out this was kind of one of his last clips that he ever did, his last appearances where he leaned heavily into QAnon. I think he still believes it. I get that impression. He still buys it, but he's moved on from it. And now he's focusing on the supernatural in his words, quote unquote. He made an appearance on our old bud, Steve Schultz, Facebook page. Actually, this is from Rumble, technically. So he goes on the Elijah List Rumble page to talk to him about things. May 6, 2022. If you follow me on Telegram, I do. Uh, you'll note that in November of last year, my theme of my 
uh, discussions changed suddenly from news and current events uh, to the supernatural. So here he's explaining that he moved away from QAnon in November and moved toward the supernatural, quote unquote, as if there weren't already kind of supernatural claims uh, revolving around QAnon, but I get it. You're saying you're moving away from QAnon and you're moving into God territory. Okay, lay it on me. What do you got for me there, uh, Dave? Because the Lord told me that people are going to need training and equipping to learn how to work miracles of healing, to learn how to multiply food. Wow. Okay, people are going to need to know how to heal people and multiply food. Interesting. And you know how to do these things and you're willing to show us. Okay, go on. Wow. So learn how to do a lot of things that that uh, maybe they don't, they haven't been doing. Yeah. Right. So with food multiplying, for example. This guy was actually a medic in the military, I think, for 30 years. And he actually does know how to take care of somebody. Like he knows how to heal people or, you know, deal with bullet wounds or whatever, anything. I think, you know, maybe he was not in the military. Maybe he was an EMT. I don't remember. Yeah, I think he was an EMT. That That's correct. Yeah, he was. Anyway, the point is, I find it interesting he chose to talk about multiplying food instead of the thing that he actually has a skill set in, which is actually healing people because he was an EMT. Okay, go on. Tell us about multiplying food there, Dave. This, when you, when you go to the Gospels and you see how Jesus had the crowds, you know, 4,000 people following him and the disciples, he's teaching them all day long. And the disciples at the end of the day say, well, Lord, we got thousands of people here and they have nothing to eat. Maybe we should send them away so they can go to a restaurant and get some food. Okay, I don't, did, did they have restaurants in Jesus' day? I mean, I guess I wasn't there, so go on. I'm listening. Restaurant and get some food. And Jesus said, no you give them something to eat, right? Jesus was trying to teach the disciples. The kingdom has a response to any crisis. So he said, look, what, what do you have? What, what do we have for food? So they brought, you know, five uh, loaves of bread and some fish. Jesus blessed them, prayed over them, and he handed back the fish and the bread to the disciples and said, now distribute this food to the disciples. Okay. Um, I suppose so. Yeah. I mean, I haven't read that verse in a while. So, I, you know, I should probably take another look at it. But I think we're okay so far. And they did. And the food had not multiplied when he gave it back to them. The food multiplied as they distributed it. That's the crux of his argument. That's what it all hinges on. His claim is that Jesus wasn't the one that multiplied the food. His claim is that the disciples multiplied the food because it was multiplying as they distributed it, so they were the ones doing the multiplying. That's not what I got from the story. I got Jesus was trying to take care of a bunch of people. He's trying to help them eat or give them food or whatever. So Jesus, having supernatural powers and performing miracles, was the one that multiplied the food. We should probably take a look at the verse. We may take a look in a minute. Keep listening. It multiplied. Oh, really? Oh, really? Jesus was... Wow. Oh, really? I love this. This is funny. Jesus was teaching the disciples, when there's a crisis where we don't have food, don't panic. Don't worry. We got this. <laughs> Just 
just believe and your food will multiply. And I have a lot of friends who have had multi food multiply. Okay, he's claiming that he has actually seen food multiply or has friends that have multiplied their food. That's a new level. Interesting. Uh, I get emails quite frequently from people who see, you know, they go to an outreach and they've got enough food for 20 or 30 people and they have 100 people show up and they pray over the food and, and it multiplies and they have enough food for everyone. I, I've gotten close to that. I can't say I've the closest I've seen is uh, someone with oil, with anointing oil, and they kept using it and it kept filling back up. That is an old BS story that pastors keep trying to spread. I'm hearing from churches all the time that their anointing oil filled back up and nobody touched it and they know and they blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just ridiculous stuff, dude. I can't believe he falls for this. But isn't it interesting that he doesn't need evidence for any of this? He just believes Dave Hayes without asking any further questions. Oh, really? You're capable of multiplying food. Like, you have that ability, huh? He doesn't ask any further questions. He just believes it. I think I cut the part of the clip out that I actually wanted to put in, but Dave actually says he's going to show people how to do this. Like, he's writing a book right now where he's going to show people how to multiply food. Right, so back in November, like I said, I switched uh, to teaching primarily about healing, food multiplication, deliverance, and a lot of other related issues because uh, God was telling me, look, I need you to get on this. We need to get people trained and equipped so they can work miracles because I want to show, I want to respond to this crisis in a specific way and people need to learn how to do this. If suddenly gas is 11, 12, $13 a gallon, you can pray over your gas tank and God will make that gas uh, last for oh, so two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> he literally knows how to multiply food and he's going to teach people how because Biden is going to cause food shortages. Bizarre stuff, dude. Bizarre stuff. So it seems obvious to me that he's kind of backing away from QAnon a little bit and moving more down like a giga religious road. He did an event recently. This is early May 2022. Check this event out. He had an interesting speech when he was there. You inhabit a physical body and you have a soul. And your spirit has spiritual ears, spiritual eyes, spiritual nose. You can smell the spirit. Your spirit has a nose and eyes and ears. Okay. Nose, you can smell the spirit. Hey, you know what? Let's do an exercise. That wasn't scripted at all. All right. Uh, I'm just going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to ask God to bring his presence. And I'm going to ask him to let you smell what the kingdom of God smells like right now. So I want you to just relax for a second and just take a couple of breaths. Is he wearing Crocs? I think he's wearing Crocs. Are those Crocs? I can't tell. In the next minute or so. I'm going to ask God to manifest to your spirit, man, what the kingdom of God smells like. It has an aroma. Lord, bring your presence. Lord, bring your glory. Manifest the aroma of heaven. Angels, get in here. Come on, angels, get in. As if he has power over God and angels and Jesus. He can order them around at will. He can tell them to come into the room or whatever else. This is just bizarre stuff, dude. Just straight up bizarre stuff. Release the glory, release the aroma of heaven. 
Lord, release the aroma of heaven. Lord, bring your glory, bring your presence. Let them smell the aroma of heaven. I command spiritual senses to be opened and activated right now. So what he's doing here is a psychological technique where you're priming your audience to see or smell or hear something. And if they focus long enough and hard enough, I think smell is probably the easiest sense to do it with. You can basically trick their brains into believing that they really do smell this thing. They really do feel this or think this or, or whatever else. You can trick their brains into believing it. It's psychological manipulation. Magicians and stage performers do this kind of thing from time to time. And it's interesting to see him doing it because as I said, it's a well-known technique. People do this stuff all the time from stage. I have to wonder if he knows what he's doing is a common stage trick or if he came up with this all on his own, had no idea that stage performers do this on their own. He just came up with this all on his own, and he's going to try to make people smell heaven because he believes he controls God and angels. This ultimately boils down to a simple question. Is he grifting, or is he for real? Generally, I don't believe in assuming anybody's intentions because I want to make as few assumptions as humanly possible about everything. But there are some people I see doing things like this, and I cannot help but wonder. I can't help but wonder if they're for real or not. Ultimately, it doesn't really matter. What they're doing is harmful inherently. What they're doing is manipulating people, taking advantage of people, and spreading false information, spreading false ideas around. It doesn't matter if they believe it or not. It doesn't matter if they have good intentions or not. It's just an interesting thought experiment. I, I do wonder if he really does buy what he's selling, buy his own BS. Lord, release your, the aroma of heaven. Okay. Some of you are going to have a little interesting experience later on tonight. You're going to be going into your hotel room and some really crazy aroma is going to hit you. <laughs> uh, it'll, if you're not smelling it now, you may smell it later. See, th that right there tells me that he is grifting. He knows. I mean, uh, who knows, honestly? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he is sincere. Maybe he came up with this whole bit on his own, had no idea that other people do it, and, you know, all of this other stuff that he, he tried, like, if you don't smell it now, you'll smell it later, all this other hedging that he does, maybe he really does believe this. I don't know. But hearing him except that, you know, nobody's going to smell it, or, or most people won't, but it'll be the next thing you smell. It'll be the next thing you smell. Next time you smell something, that's heaven. That's God. I don't know, man. I think this dude's a grifter. I do. Like I said, I operate off of as few assumptions as humanly possible, so if pressed, my position is, I don't know. I'm going to default to, he's not a grifter until proven otherwise. But let me know what you think. Is the guy a grifter or not? Is he faking? Is he a scam artist or not? Let me know on Twitter, at Telltale Atheist. Thank you guys for coming and giving this a listen, and I will talk to you next week. 
If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues, whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel, where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.